How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions to our mailbag at letstalktorah@gmail.com. You can correct me. You can ask me. Whatever you wish, I'll do my best to answer again. That's letstalktorah@gmail.com. My last show went so fast, I I barely touched, um, first of all, what I want to talk about in the last show, and I barely scratched the surface of the Torah portion, like just a couple words. It's unbelievable. And I had such a good story that I wanted to share. Um, I actually shared it with my class this morning. Um, I figure I'm going to share it now. That way I won't forget to say it later. story goes like this. Um, and if you've never noticed this before, well, now you will. There was a doctor who went to his rabbi. And the doctor said, Rabbi, I got a problem. I don't have patience. Uh, once in a while I get somebody, I'm a doctor. I, my office should be packed. What should I do? So the rabbi says, let me ask you, what happens when somebody calls your office and asks for an appointment? He says, I tell my secretary, you tell him to get down here right now. The rabbi said, that's your problem. You need to start telling your patients, um, you're very sorry, you have no appointments for three months. Okay, if the guy wants to squeeze in and come in, maybe early, late, you'll see if you can get him in, you are booked for three months. So the guy says, no problem. Sure enough, he starts, every time somebody calls, he says, sorry, we're booked for three months, I don't know if I can take you. And more and more phone calls were coming in, and he, business was booming. Well, one day, the rabbi himself wasn't feeling well, and he called the doctor. And the secretary says, Rabbi, I'm very sorry. We have no appointments for three months. The rabbi says, look, I'm the one that gave the doctor this idea to say he's booked for three months. You get me in right now. Don't forget, I'm the one that took care of you in the first place. Just don't forget who I am. End of story. So there's a Rabbi um, Elimel Biederman. So he says, this story is a fantastic parable. There are people that have situations, maybe they're certainly now after corona, right? Maybe their livelihood is not doing so well, business is not doing so well, maybe they have to start a new business, maybe they're looking for a job, and uh, so they pray. And they make sure to get the prayers on time. And they pray with emotion and concentration. And they say, God, you got to help me. I got to put food on the table. I need a roof over my head. You got to help me. So God helps. God sets him up. Business comes his way. And business is booming. But what's the first thing that takes a hit when the guy's busy at work? Oh, prayers are a little faster. Yes, sleep prayers a little early. Doesn't have his usual time for his Torah study. Or maybe he has to drop one of his study partners. So God says, hello, you asked me for help. I gave you advice. 
make sure you don't forget that I gave you the advice. Right? I, was, I took care of you. If I took care of you, you got to go ahead and uh, remember me. Don't forget your prayers. Don't forget your Torah study. Um, it's just a great lesson, which may or may not have to do with anything we're going to talk about today. I guess we'll decide as we move along. So one of the things I wanted to talk about um, is flags. And I'll tell you why in a second. Um, a flag is an important thing. Every country has their flag. The soldiers will die protecting the flag. A flag is something that represents uh, a nationality, a nation. The Jewish people also wanted flags, not for a nationality reason. Because there's not, okay, nowadays you have the Israeli flag, but there's not a, a national Jewish flag. Okay, people can take uh, can argue if they wish, but but as far as Torah is concerned, there is no Jewish religious flag. You want to say there's a, a nationality of Israel, that's a, a good conversation, which we're not going to have right now. But as far as a Torah concept of a Jewish religious flag, there's no such thing. However, in the desert, there were actually 12 flags. Every tribe had its own flag. Why did the 12 tribes want their own flags? Uh, because by, by when we got the Torah, God came down with his presence. They saw these groups of angels, and the angels also had flags representing different groups of angels. So they desired, the Jewish people desired to have flags. So God said, fine. So there's, it's debatable if, there's, if there were just colors um, if there were also pictures on the flag, like uh, like the tribe of Yehuda of Judah would be a lion, and the tribe of Yisachar might be a a, um, a donkey because that's the blessing he got from Jacob, and and Usher would be an olive tree, and um, Don might be a snake, and uh, Ephraim and Asher would be types of bulls. Um, they're different thing, different pictures representing a lot of stuff from the blessings they got from Jacob. So when they're going to travel, they're going to travel with their flags. Traveling with the flags was very important. You knew where your tribe was. You knew where you belonged. You marched with your tribe. So um, the fourth grade teacher by us, the fourth grade Rebbe, um, wants to make it clear. He wants to teach them. It's a very dry topic. It's amazing. When you have a good teacher, they can make the most dry topic the most fun. I, for those who didn't like grammar, Hebrew grammar in school, because probably the teacher didn't understand it, so grammar is pretty boring. So I happen to teach grammar with a puppet. So what, be, what becomes the most boring topic, my class is begging me, oh, could we do grammar today? It's called diktuk. When I grew up, you didn't do diktuk. You did it once or twice a year because the teacher had a book and he had to give it out. My class begs me to learn the most boring topic. It's amazing. So this fourth grade teacher, he teaches the Torah portions which we're in right now, which is a lot of talking about the traveling the Jewish people went through. How does he teach it to them? He breaks them into groups. Boys have flags. Boys will be in charge of taking apart. He has a miniature, uh, Mishkan, a miniature tabernacle and carrying and curtains. And he marches. So what do he do today? So today I should have given the pictures to the to the guys behind the glass. I forgot to give it to them. He shows up in my backyard, social distancing, with his class marching with flags. And he says, okay, if you remember what tribe you belong with, because what he does is, not only does he teach his class. Now, most schools, you cannot get away with this. In my school, 
We love it. So after he's taught his class the formation of how they travel and they have to blow trumpets and which tribe travels first and which one goes second and taking apart the tabernacle and where each Levite belongs and which part of the tabernacle travels where, he teaches this to them by having them act it out. And they march to the hallways and they march in the parking lot and they come into classrooms and they br- in the younger grades because we're okay with this. And he breaks you up into different tribes and you march with your flag um, till it's usually recess time or till he gets tired or till he's got other work to do. Um, and this is what he does with us. It's fantastic. He comes to my backyard today. He says, and as soon as the kids see the flags, they know what we're doing. It's okay. Everyone come. We're in formation. Um, he had a friend who has a, um, a truck with lights because it sees a, an ambulance uh, guy, a Tzala guy. And so that um, Yukon led the parade. And I think there was a drone taking videos from somebody else that he knows. And we marched down the street to have this group on this sidewalk and this group on this sidewalk and people in front, in the middle, spread out. But very exciting because it's this week's Torah portion, marching with flags. But, but it's something to keep in mind. Which again, we keep harping on why the children can't just be on Zoom or on a conference call to study. they got to be in a classroom because a good teacher can take the most dull, boring subject and bring it to life. And, and, and if, you have, if you didn't have teachers like him um, or similar, you know, I do feel bad for you. You should come back to my school, start again in third grade or second grade or first grade or fourth grade, whatever catches your fancy, because you really missed out. And, and these children will take boring subjects. They're going to get older. They're going to have their own kids. And the kid will come home and say, oh, yeah. Today we learned about the traveling. It was so boring. And, and these kids will say, boring? That was the most fun topic we did that year in fourth grade. Let me tell you what we did. Or they'll come home and say, grammar, it's so hard. Hard? We had puppets. It was the most fun subject ever. So, um, you know, it's the teachers. The teachers are what bring education, studying to life. And we got to let teachers teach. And I don't know how we're going to do it in September. And I don't know what the rules and regulations are going to be, but there's nothing like a great teacher. And if you had, you know, they used to tell me, if you had one or two good teachers growing up, you were lucky. You know, look, my, my children have had numerous, so I am especially blessed. And then there's me, and I think I'm pretty good. At least my t- children say so, because what else are they going to say? Okay, so that's part of uh, this week's Torah portion, the marching with the flags. And I'm going to sort of take this as a jumping point to move ahead in the Torah portion to get into the topics I really want to touch on. So the Jewish people are traveling. God wants to get them into Israel as quick as possible. So he has them traveling for three days, and they start complaining. There's always complainers. Oh, we're traveling so fast, and what's the rush, and and I'm so tired, and, and what's going on? So God says, you're complaining. You don't like we're traveling so fast? No problem. But when you complain, it brings trouble. And they complain, and it uh, happens to be the backwards, the inverted nuns, the famous Vahibin Aron is in the middle of this Torah portion. And um, the, the old group of elders, the first group of elders, have all died. 
they died because they were deserving of a punishment when the Torah was given because they were gazing at God. They shouldn't have gazed. They shouldn't have stared. They got pleasure from the gazing. They, they had incurred a death penalty, but God waited till now. So now Moses doesn't have the elders to help him. And while Moses doesn't have the elders to help him, all of a sudden the people start complaining, we want meat. Remember, we used to sit on the pot of meat in Egypt, and, uh, and Moses says, hello, we were slaves. You didn't get meat in Egypt. Who are you fooling? Besides, you got all these animals here. Now, this in and of itself is debatable. Had they eaten all their meat already, um, or it was just a complaint, it didn't matter they had all these animals, or some were wealthier and some were poor, all this is uh, debatable. There's different rabbis have different ways of explaining, but let's move on. So Moses says, either you got your own cows, or we didn't have meat in Egypt. He says, yeah, but we had fish. We remember the fish we had. The fish was free. Now, where they get free fish from? So there's actually a few different interesting answers. Um, there's a medrash, which I like to tell over to my children the night of the Passover Seder. When the Egyptians originally made the Jewish people into slaves, the purpose of creating this slave nation is because they wanted to, uh, to take care of this, uh, this growth. The, the Jewish people were growing exponentially, and the, and the Egyptians couldn't handle how fast we were growing. We were just going to take over. They were nervous. So they figured they'll make us slaves. The men will be working day and night. They, they, don't, they won't want to be married. They won't want to hang out at home. They won't want to be with their wives. So uh, the Jewish people will basically die out. That was the part of the original plan of making the Jewish people into slaves. The women understood that was the plan. So they knew they were going to have to make sure their husbands were with them to, to continue the creation of the Jewish nation. So what they do? They went to the river. They put their bucket in and um, pulled out water. And the Medrash says the bucket was half water, half fish. I guess all these little fish were in the water, maybe big fish, I don't know. And they cooked up those buckets and they went to their husbands in the field and they, they cleaned up their husbands and they gave them the fish to eat. So that's the free fish, by the way. And then they had mirrors. They said, look what you look like. Look what I look like. I'm so pretty. I'm whatever. And they enticed their husbands and that created the continuity of the Jewish nation. We actually say, because of the righteous women, we merited to leave Egypt. Because if not for those women to make sure that their husbands wanted to be with them, to make sure there were, that, that there were children, uh, the Jewish people, it would have worked. The plan was a good plan. We would have disappeared. So that's one place they got free fish. Um, others say I saw that when they would help the when the Egyptian taskmaster would have them fishing with them in the nets and, and throwing the nets in and out. So the fish that got caught in the net, I guess they weren't such high-quality fish, those they let them take home. So we had fish. So the Jewish people complaining, we want fish, we want cucumbers, we want garlic, we want whatever, onions. So we had to take a step back. Why are they complaining? So they're complaining because they didn't like the mun. The mun was um, was this this heavenly food, and it tastes like whatever you wanted, but it also came along with a with an everyday test. 
In other words, the way you received your mun, how, how much it was prepared and how close it was to your tent and how hard you had to work to go get it, depended on how you behaved yesterday. So that's a hard life to constantly like getting a, 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 a report card every day of what happened every second of your day is hard. And they didn't want it, so they're complaining for food. Not only that, they were even complaining the food was the first part of the complaint. Second of all, they were complaining about um, marital, um, who they were allowed to marry. Because once they got the Torah, a lot of relatives that they used to marry in those days were off limits. They are complaining about that. There was a lot of complaints going on, and Moses needs help. So he tells God, God, I need help. Um, you got rid of the old elders. I need new ones. So God says, no problem. So God, and again, I, I don't have time today to get into all the details of this Torah portion. Like every time you start on one facet, it just, it just keeps going. So we're going to try to focus today. So God says, well, it's fine. Now, it's a little bit of a problem because there's 12 tribes and there's only 70 elders. That means most tribes will get six, but two tribes only get five. Now, exactly which tribe is going to say, you know, okay, we're okay if you only take five of our elders, right? It's not happening. So they had to create a lottery. So they created a lottery, and there were 70 tickets that said elder, and two tickets were blank. There were actually two people by the name of Elder Omeda, they were like embarrassed that they should be elders. So even though they were supposed to be elders, but they left the tabernacle area, and they said, it's not us. So God sends down a prophecy onto Moses, and the prophecy goes from Moses to all the 70 elders. The new elders, they're all prophesizing. That way the Jewish people will see these are the new elders. And um, the Jewish people are there. And the famous Miriam, Moses' sister, is there. And she's standing next to her sister-in-law. Her sister-in-law was Tzipporah. Moses' wife is, or was Tzipporah. So Tzipporah, I guess in an offhanded comment, says to Miriam, oh, I feel bad for their wives. So Miriam says, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, Moses separated from me because he always talks to God. So I guess their husbands will separate from their wives because they're talking to God. So Miriam feels terrible. She, she doesn't like this idea. What's, what's Moses doing separating from his wife? Now, this is a very important concept. Um, in the Torah does not believe in the concept of a monk or the concept of a nun. The Torah says a person is supposed to be married. And through marriage, a person creates a spirituality, right? Relationships between husband and wives is, is, is I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's holy also. It's also spiritual. It's not just physical. Anything the Torah wants us to do has two components, not many, but there's the physical aspect and there's the spiritual aspect. Marriage is also a spiritual aspect. So Miriam says, come on. The Torah doesn't believe in a husband and wife separating just because the husband is holy. We don't believe in that. All our greatest leaders were all married. Hello, that's, that's straight up clear. There's no such thing as a great rabbi who says, I'm so great I can't be married. There's no such thing. And they have children. Right? There's no such thing as saying, I'm too holy to be married. There were a few people in history that said they couldn't handle being married. They felt they were too holy. And uh, the Talmud looks down on it. And so even when they get to talk in the Talmud, we don't even know their whole name. We know their father's name. There was a Benzoma and a, and a Benazai. Their first names happened to Ben Shimon. But it, the Talmud does not mention their name 
because they weren't married. And the Talmud doesn't like that because we know the Torah wants the Jewish people to be married. So Miriam wants to take care of this. She loves her brother. She wants to take care of this. She runs to her brother Aaron. And she, um, and she says, do you understand what's going on with our brother Moses over here? We're pro- I'm a prophetess. God spoke to me. You're a prophet. God talks to you. We're married. So if we're married, why does Moses think he's not supposed to be married? So I know I keep saying to do this, Angel, and I know you took care of it. I'm ready for my letter. And I almost forgot, but I remembered. So if the letter is up there, if you find the letter, this letter for this week, oh, I got my thumbs up. Our, our Torah letter for this week is the letter Lamed. It is the tallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Um, in a Torah, it actually starts on the bottom line. It goes way above the top. It's called the Lamed. It, its numerical value is 30. It makes an L sound. And it's perfect for this week's Torah portion because the word of the week is Lushen, really two words, Lushen Hara. Almost all of you have heard the phrase Lushen Hara, bad speech. Uh, Lushen Hara means when you speak bad about someone else. What's interesting is um, Miriam was speaking bad about her brother. Now, she loved her brother. She only wanted what was best for her brother. She wanted to fix that Moses should be married to his wife. She had all good intentions. However, it still qualified as lush and horror because she did not take everything into account. Yes, she wanted to help, but she should have realized Moses doesn't do anything on his own. If Moses does it, it's because God is giving the okay. Happens to be the reason is that when God speaks to somebody and they're not pure, um, it's very painful. They needed to submerge what's called a mikvah in a pool of water. Um, so for a regular prophet, no problem. You're with your wife tonight. You go to the mikvah tomorrow. So now you're pure. You can talk to God. Because anyways, you had to prepare yourself to talk to God. The problem is Moses could talk to God anytime, any second, day, night, face to face. Moses was very different than a regular prophet. So therefore, Moses is the exception to the rule. Even though the Torah wants everybody to be married, and Moses was married before he got to this level of talking to God, at this point, Moses can no longer be married, but he is the one exception in history to that he was too holy because he's always, not because he's too holy, but because he's always talking to God. That's the problem. So therefore, God calls Moses and Miriam and Aaron to the tabernacle, and he tells Miriam and Aaron, you're talking about Moses, my servant Moses, the one and only Moses. You need to be more careful who and what you talk about. And therefore, um, God gives leprosy, tzara'as, to Miriam, because she spoke lush and hara. So it really something to think about, that that with all her good intentions, she didn't know, she didn't think that this was still inappropriate. It was considered lush and horror. Therefore, she was punished. Aaron turns to Moses and said, come on, you can't do this to our sister. You got to pray for her. Moses makes a very short prayer. So people shouldn't say that Moses is, uh, you know, does more for his sister than everybody else. And God says, fine, she has to be out of the camp if you had this leprosy, this tzara'as, you had to go out of the clouds, out of the Jewish camp for till it went away. So God told Moses it's going to be a week. The Jewish people were supposed to travel, right? We, we, we had gotten stopped because a few things got in the way. 
which we didn't have time to talk about. But uh, the Jewish people um, were really supposed to start traveling. But since Miriam is outside, she deserves the entire Jewish people. Millions of people are going to have to wait for Miriam. And... Um, and we do. We wait a whole week. Why did why why did Miriam merit? Did the Jewish people have to wait for her? Because she waited for Moses. If we remember the story way back when, right? Moses born. Miriam had told her parents he's going to be the leader of the Jewish people. And then it was three months, and they had to worry the Egyptians are going to come. They're going to find Moses. Going to kill him. So they so they put Moses in the basket. Miriam stays by to watch because she knows God's going to do a miracle. She knows something's going to happen. So um, so she watches for all of 15, 20 minutes. Her reward, you waited for Moses. Your reward is that the entire Jewish people are going to wait a full week for you. That is an amazing just thought of what kind of rewards people can receive. I didn't even get to talk about what Lashon Har really is. So many things, so much to talk about. The Torah is so full and again, we just tried to focus a little bit. And as always, you know, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you again to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I couldn't do without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team. We have David, Angel, and Jacob in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build. 